Check, check. Um, welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I have a very special guest. This is uh, one of the people who inspired me to become vegetarian since 1988. Um, you may know him from Youth of Today, Shelter, Better Than a Thousand, Violent Children, and Reflex from Pain. I never heard of that one. Um, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Ray Capo. My friend, hi. Good to be here. So... Basically, my podcast is me interviewing people who inspired me as a kid um, to make me into the person that I am today. And for people that don't know a lot of your story, obviously, I have all my notes and my questions in front of me. Um, I know you're born in Connecticut. Um, my question to you, first and foremost, how was it growing up there? And, you know, how were you in school? Um, school, I was... Uh, growing up in Connecticut was... Uh, how was it? You know, I live in the countryside now, and my uh, my kids go to like. Actually, now my kids are homeschooled. Yeah, that's awesome. But for 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 most of the their life and their older brothers, they went to a, a Waldorf school, which is you know on four hundred acres. It's a farm. It's an that's organic awesome. um, biodynamic farm. It's a uh, you know, it's it's almost it's super pristine. Yeah. Uh, as you could ima- imagine, like Sounds for awesome. a kid to grow up. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. And then this last year, we decided to homeschool them, which has also been awesome because we travel a lot. Yeah, and uh, want, I like to bring the kids with me to India. So yeah. I never really had issues with how I grew up in the public school in yeah. Connecticut until I juxtaposed it against the way my kids go to school, hmm. um, and I realized, like, wow. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a crappy school, <laughs> you know, it's hard to say that because my father was one of the teachers in the school. Oh, wow. But if I really like brought it back to like what I learned, you know, I grew up in a racist school. Why? Because my generation, I'm 53 this year. So they were sort of racist times. It was okay. a very, uh, it was a very like, um, a mixed school. Like my wife grew up in all white school in Michigan. So she never even had any racial issues because yeah. they were not around race. So sometimes people think like having different races together is a good thing. You could argue for that. Yeah. But I will say it formed into gangs. Mm. And um, I was always bullied. I was ridiculously bullied as soon as I got into junior high school. And then um, I fell right into that pattern. Okay, I can either like bury myself and bury my personality, which yeah. I know some of my friends did, or you can bully back. So I learned how to bully back. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I just became a bully and I learned how to be, you know, a nasty jerk. And um, the whole time it didn't jive with my internal ethics Yeah, of, you know, what I wanted to be. It was sort of always sort of ethically driven and um, I was always a little outspoken yeah. And so after a while, I just realized, you know what? I don't want to be part of this thing anymore in this, you know, suburban high school. And I started trying to find my, my, my tribe outside of, um, you know, my big sort of Connecticut high school. Yeah. And I, I was fortunate that I had older brothers and sort of New York city parents. My parents grew up in New York city. Nice. Um, and, uh, my brothers and sisters, moved to New York city when they graduated. Yeah. And so I would always just go visit them in New York. It exposed me to like everything alternative, alternative yeah. music, alternative lifestyle, alternative, everything. 
and that sort of brought me to the Lower East Side. Yeah, I mean, stumbled upon it. Yeah. So, and, uh, go ahead. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's sort of like how I got. I was sort of into alternative music. I just wanted to be. I wanted an alternative lifestyle. Yeah. And I didn't want to just, you know, I was popular and stuff like that. But after a certain while, time is like. I'm not interested in that type of popularity. Yeah, do you play sports uh, and stuff? So I sort of just cut myself out of my high school thing, and every weekend I'd get on Metro North train and take the train into New York City and spend the weekend at my brother's and just go to shows. So It was a special time. Yeah, it was man. a special time because everything was sort of, you know, the paradigm in uh, high school is if you want to do music, you, you know, find a band that you like and you learn how to play all their songs. You know, my generation, you're playing like, Led Zeppelin or Rush, or yeah. and I, I couldn't even like compete with that because I was I just sort of liked music, yeah. And um, when I started going to CBGBs, I started seeing people that were my age, but they were writing their own songs. Yeah, and I thought, you know what, that's cool. I don't want to play someone else's songs. I want to write my own songs. <laughs> yeah. And I thought like that is, free. and I was with a, a friend of mine, and she said to me, you know, Ray, you could do that. You should just start a band yeah and we started a band that's how my first band started we didn't really know how to play our instruments i was in 10th grade and um it just happened and that band yeah. we sort of sucked <laughs> we sort of sucked did a lot of stuff we played at a7 played at cbgb's we played at pogo's in bridgeport which was one of the famous um connecticut um clubs in the old days yeah we played played with the the Chromax, we played with Agnostic Front. Damn. Back before, you know, these bands were yeah. not even that popular. Tenth grade, um, that's crazy. So, yeah, it was it was cool. It was sort of a good access into that whole world. Um, so that's sort of my story, how I got into music. And we put out, you know, we manufactured our own record, which was, you know. That's awesome. I don't know, maybe that sounds very normal, but back then no, it was like. No, it doesn't. It's crazy. It was really cutting edge, you know. Yeah. We make a record. We recorded a record. And we and we made it, and we pressed it, and we distributed it. Damn. And for a kid who's like in tenth grade, yeah, man, it was like, wow, Rough Trade Distribution wants to buy three hundred of your record. You only pressed <laughs> five hundred. Wow. It was like what? <laughs> yeah. So it was almost like <laughs> DIY was like we learned how to with, without thinking about it. Yeah. We learned how to like create a business. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's almost like a perfect, in retrospect, how Waldorf schooling does things now. It's like you, you take a project and it incorporates everything. It incorporates music, mm-hmm. art. You know, we make the artwork. We, um, you know, we, we start a business. We put money in. We get money back. We reinvest it. We create branding. Awesome. And so, And then you book your own shows. And yeah. it sort of like made us sort of grow up and be... Um, sort of artistic entrepreneurs and um, introduced me to a whole a whole fascinating world of sort of like um, you know sort of like underground underground music yeah and it's hard to, I think it's hard to it's hard for younger kids to even understand that there was an underground music scene like we used to stay up late at night and listen to radio channels you know like yeah radio stations because you couldn't hear hardcore you couldn't hear now you hear you know you know these pop punk bands became really really popular but yeah 
No, no, no. I'm saying nowadays. Oh, nowadays, There's yeah. so many bands that play arenas that oh, are yeah. like, you know, Blink, Blink and yeah, um, Green Day and bands that just got really huge yeah. and became a, a sort of a fabric of our mainstream. Mm-hmm. But it was very difficult to do that back then. If you wanted to hear the Buzzcocks or if you wanted to hear the Ramones or if you wanted to hear the Minutemen or Black Flag, you'd have to stay up late at night and for forty for an hour and a half. <laughs> there was a radio show and you know in Hartford, Connecticut, and maybe you could barely tune in and hear, you know, but, but you didn't have great reception and, and there was, you know, NYU had a radio show and, yeah. and you listen to music like that mm-hmm. before you could just, you know, download music. So that was sort of like an interesting, you know, phenomenon and like manufacturing your own record, it's crazy, putting man. it out. Yeah. It was an interesting phenomenon. I still have friends that I met, you know, from those days who you became pen pals with. Yeah. Even the concept of pen pals is, sort of <laughs> so foreign outdated yeah. but you yeah. make a pen pal like <laughs> i still have pen pals yeah all those guys in verbal assault you know and yeah it's and awesome fish barkley they you know these yeah, guys Bluefish. were all my pen pals awesome yeah did you know what you want to do in school like in 10th grade we started the band and you're making your records and stuff did you know what you wanted to do when you graduated did you have like an idea no yeah no plan. just gonna wing it my plan was my my you know i was sort of good at math yeah just, but I, so I, so I started like, started studying math, but I realized by the time Youth of Today started, I realized, you know what, this band has a good message. Yeah. And, and I, and I, I'm a good spokesperson. Yes. And I feel like the world can benefit from this. And I thought, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I'll just, I had no plan. My only plan was I want to release a single and I want to release an, you know, an LP yeah. and I want to go on tour. Yeah. I want to see the world and live in a van, you know, <laughs> yeah. now some people that, do, that doesn't sound very attractive. Um, <laughs> matter of fact, the guys in violent children were like, are you crazy? Why would you want to live in a van? <laughs> you know, but, yeah. um, Purcell to Purcell, it was a great idea. Yeah. You know, so some people I've met, you know, there's two types of people I find the kind that going on tours, like, this is a dream come true. Yep. And the kind that they think it might be a dream come true, but they actually do it, they're like, this is crazy, I can't do this. <laughs> 100%. I've had people, right? <laughs> yeah. You've had people, like, maybe even join the band Yeah. for the first time, and they've never been in a band, and once they get on the road, they realize, I can't do this, I'm homesick, I missed it. It's Some people are Yeah. It's not easy living in a band, yeah. in, in a van, rather, and just traveling all the time. Yeah. Even as romantic as, as it sort of sounds. Yeah. It takes a special type of animal that can be like, okay, we got a 15 hour drive to uh, Amsterdam from Zagreb. <laughs> it's true. It's you know, true. it's so brutal. Okay, you're sleeping on the floor. You're going to sleep up with a t shirt. Yeah. <laughs> were, your parents, were your parents giving any pressure, like when you started playing music in high school? Like, we want you to do this or take a certain route? Or they were pretty open minded about the music? <clears throat> Excuse me. We had. um a big Italian family. Yeah. And like seven kids. And so by the time I came around, I was like number six out of seven. Damn. I think they were just like, do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> and they were sort of supportive. They were so, you know, it's interesting because they didn't quite get it. I would just say, I'm going to New York city to see some music this weekend. Yeah. Now I would never let my kids go to New York city, Hell no. music, especially New York city, <laughs> 1982. Yeah. But they were just like, okay, have fun. Wow. Because I think Trusted they were thought, thought I was going to like Lincoln Center or something, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, to see <laughs> classical music or, yeah. 
But so anyway, they were sort of like supportive. I kind of, in retrospect, I was like, man, I used to play the drums. That must it's drums are so loud. Yeah. But yeah, but they were cool and supportive. And um, and when I got a little older, my father got sick and he went into a coma. So he was sort of oh, out shit. of it when you the today started. Oh wow. And uh, yeah, and he ended, ended up leaving his body at the end of Youth of Today. So the, all of Youth of Today, he was pretty much in a coma. Wow, man. It's crazy to know that. Yeah, it was a very, very difficult time in my I can, life. I can imagine, man. Um, so when does Youth of Today start? Are you in high school still? Youth of Today started, I think, just as we were graduating high yeah. school. And... Um, it was the first time I felt like this is going to be a real band. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be a real. And yeah. we took it, we took ourselves very seriously from the get go. Yeah. And even though we sort of like all approached university, me and Purcell, our heads weren't in university at all. We were just yeah. like, Oh, Oh, this was at a time, you know, we were also pen pals with Kevin from seven seconds. Yes. So you knew, you know, know and love. And he sort yes. of like Kevin sort of single handedly changed the course of the music scene just by writing vulnerable and you know honest and you know lyrics it sort of changed the whole current yes it was quite beautiful and it affected me in such a deep way too yeah and steered me and so um kevin and bessie who was their friend and manager they said um i remember bessie calling me up how did this happen oh you know what happened first was Am I missing backstory stuff? Because we're just diving right into stuff, and I don't know what your audience is into or even. No, whatever you want. Dude, I, I want to know the history. I mean, Kevin Seconds was on the other day. He talked all about getting you guys on Positive Force and all that stuff. Like, oh, really? Yeah, it was awesome. Well, let me jump back a little. Go ahead, let me man. jump yeah. back a little and tell sure. that story because yeah, um, it was so funny. Because we, you know, we really love the concept of straight edge. We are all yes. straight edge anyway. It was just something like. It's not something I even heard of. I just believed in clean living. Yes. I didn't know it was a coined phrase. Yep. Even before I found my earth threat. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is cool. I, I already believe in this stuff. I don't believe in taking drugs and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah. And so, it, 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 it was really sort of right up my alley. And mm. then um, I was like, you know, minor threat is this, you know, minor threat was around at that time. And I just remember when you today just started, I was like, wait all, wait till Ian McKay hears about me. He's going to love you today. We're completely straight edge. You know what I mean? I mean, I've read his lyrics. Those seem like really good lyrics. I believe the same thing. Yeah. I was like, they should just put out our record. We should. So me and Purcell recorded that record and we're like, I'm just going to call Ian and just tell him. Wow. And Ian was very, very polite. It was like, oh, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> That's and I was like, well, this is weird. <laughs> and then also, my my other favorite band I really loved was was SSD Control. Yeah. And at, I think at this time they might have just disbanded or something. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, well, Al's phone number is on the back of their record. <laughs> I'm just going to call Al and awesome. tell them to put me on Exclaim Records. They're going to love me. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, why wouldn't they? If you, I mean, you got to understand, there was no straight edge anything back then. No. There was like, you know, Minor Threat was straight edge, but after like, I, you know, after they sort of coined that phrase, they sort of backed off from that word. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in Boston, 
it became a word and a thing. Yep. But people sort of backed off from it, and they they started, you know, getting rid of that look and that sound. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, well, this is something we believe in. Let's just all band together. Can't we just band <laughs> together? And so I just called up Al. I said, like, Hey, Al. Uh, you don't know me, but um, I'm uh, in a singer of a band, and uh, we're straight edge, just like you guys are straight edge. And I think, you know, we should just do this record with you guys. And he was just like, well, uh, Exclaim really is in a record label. It's just like a bunch of bands from Boston. We use the same label mm. just to create some cohesive, you know, cohesiveness. Gotcha. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, it's not like a, a record label. It's like no one, like, owns it. We just get bands. I go, well, I love all these bands. <laughs> Jerry's Kids, DYS, yeah. SSD. Why don't we just become on your record label? I mean, I'm in Connecticut. It's like we're next door to Massachusetts. He's like, well, truthfully, I don't own own it. No one owns it. If you want to do it, you can do it. I was like, then I'll do it. Oh, then I'll shit. do it. <laughs> so I almost like maybe it's a today on Exclaim Records. Wow. That's crazy. I was, just so, I was just sort of like... <laughs> All systems go, man. Yeah. This is real. Let's You're just so play, passionate about play it. Yeah. hardball. Yeah, yeah. And so at that, t- and so at that time, we had become friends with Kevin. Yeah. A year before, when Violent Children, he loved you guys. Um, yeah. They were just kind to us, but yeah. Violent Children used to write to them, so Violent Children ended up playing with them. And as a matter of fact, when Walk Together, Rock Together came out. I remember my girlfriend at the time just goes, Reagan, if I believe this, but on the back cover of the record, Kevin is wearing a Violent Children's shirt. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> it, was like, it was like a dream come true. That's it, huge. It's hard for anybody to yeah. imagine that. Totally. Imagine if you're in 11th grade or something. Yeah. But your favorite band, it could be, you know, you know, it's it's hard if, if yeah. outside the punk scene to imagine that, that like, that's amazing. Led Zeppelin or Cheap Trick is totally. wearing your shirt. So he's Huge. wearing a, a Violent Children shirt. And I open up on the lyric sheet, and there's a lyric sheet in the LP. Yeah. It's hard to even imagine now that you get a giant package like an LP because it's, everything was true. in a CDs for years and yeah. digital downloads. But you get a big, getting a big package of a, of a record. And so you open it up and have this lyric sheet and a collage of photos. And there I am singing along with Kevin Damn. in the center of the walk together, rock together. And I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> and then he thanked me in the lyric sheet. And he thanked me in the lyric sheet. I was like, what? Three shout outs. That's so amazing. At that point, yeah. when I told him about our new band and we want to play shows with them. So we booked a bunch of shows with them. And we didn't have a car, of course. So we were driving back in their car. Yeah. And then Kevin goes, yeah, we're starting a record label. We want to put out the Youth of Today record on Positive yeah. Force. I was like, Positive force. We're positive people. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be on exclaim, but I guess my exclaim deal will fall through. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. You know, Discord didn't pick me up. It was their loss. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so positive anyway, force was that's so a, good. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that 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 year we went to university. Just started university. We realized, you know what? I'm not into this. And and Kevin and Bessie said, you know what, why don't you guys over break just come out to California mm. and play a bunch of shows and tour seven seconds. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> that was like a dream come true. And I, yeah. I, I've never been on a plane before. You oh, know? wow. I just lived in the tri-state area. You what know? year was that? That was uh, 19... 
It was the end of 1988. Okay. So I had never been on a plane, and I was at like 19. Yeah. And for me, it was like unbelievable. So everything was great. And at the 11th hour, did Purcell tell the story? I don't want to be redundant. Um, he, did he tell the story or Kevin tell the story? Kevin Seconds played drums? Yeah. Yeah, it's still an amazing story. Our I mean. drummer bailed at the 11th hour. <laughs> it's he cool. couldn't believe it. And he just said, come out here anyway. I learned we'll the find songs. you a drummer. Wow, dude. I don't know if he told you this story. He shows up in like this 1972 station wagon, like one of those... 10 seaters who kevin and i was like yeah kevin i was like i was like hey where's the van we're gonna tour with he goes uh well the band has a van but i'm gonna drive you around on the station wagon oh shit! i was like i was like um (laughs) this station wagon right here is gonna drive us all around northern and southern california and arizona yeah he's like yeah and i said um kevin this van this this car has no license plates on it and he goes, we'll find, we'll find some plates. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> it's hard to believe like you could just drive around with no license plates back then. So he did the but tour in that car. Anyway, Kevin ended up, Kevin ended up, uh, taking us on that tour and he ended up uh, playing drums for us. It's amazing, man. It was, it was pretty amazing. The Fender show where like you guys had to borrow Mike Ness's guitar or some social distortion show you guys played. Um, yeah, that first show was with uh, Social Distortion and the Vandals. Wow, man. Sacramento. Was, for a kid, it was like a dream come true. Yeah. See your, see your first palm tree. Yeah. See your heroes. Yeah. You'll get to play on stage. And uh, we had something to offer because no one was doing that type of hardcore. Then. No one. You know. And the 7-inch was out. That was it, right? You can't close my eyes. 7-inch? The 7-inch didn't quite even come out at that point. Mm. The seven is gonna get come out to to like probably around like March or maybe actually maybe like February after yeah. the tour had ended. I stayed in California and dropped out of school. Oh wow! Really? Seven seconds. <laughs> yeah, I realized this is what I want. And then Holy Purcell shit. too was the whole time was he's like, all right, I got to get out of school. Damn. My mom was too worried about my dad, and she was sort yeah. of like was not she you know. Shouldn't put any pressure on me about anything. Yeah. So then when you get back to New York and the seven inches out, and you play start playing shows. Well, the weird thing was it was it was like I got back to New York and like everybody was straight edge. Wow. Like everyone's like, and it, it, it's like like right before we left, we played this big show with Agnostic mm-hmm. at CBGB's it was packed, and it was one of these things. I, I said to myself, man. Should I preach straight edge in New York City, or am I going to get my ass kicked? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it because that's what we are. It's amazing. I'm going to get my ass kicked. And we just preached it really loud. And the time we got back from from California, it was like every. I mean, first of all, Ray Bees came up to me. He's like, Ray Bees. He's like, I, I just knew Ray Bees. That's sort of like a yeah. You know, back then, I, we called them older guys. There's, he was like mm-hmm. 25 or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to believe that he that, that, that I consider that old. But yeah. Rabies, like, it, but he was sort of like known. He was like heavy into drugs. And yeah. Sort of a little scary, scary personality. But then he was like, no, man, I'm totally straight edge now. Everything's changed. I'm totally straight edge. <laughs> and then Todd Youth was like, 
And Todd Youth came up to me. He's like, no, dude, we're all straight edge now. Warzone's completely straight edge band. I was like, you're kidding. Wow. And then I met Tommy. And then I met Ta- Tommy and Craig. Craig from Shipwood. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, we're totally straight edge. We started a band called Straight Ahead. And then we wow. met Richie from Numbskulls. And he's like, yeah, we're all straight edge. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what happened? I'm straight edge. <laughs> and then that record came out. And then we started uh, become. That, oh, then what happened is I moved to New York City. Mm. And I had like a, our family had a, uh, some crappy old apartment in New York City that right. I had super cheap rent for for nice. 250 bucks a month. Damn. And me and Purcell moved there. And, uh, and then we, and, and the, our other two guys decided drummer who didn't go to California and our bass player who was, you know, serious about school. They didn't end up joining the band or they wanted to just say, oh, we can't do this for serious. Yeah. And so we got Tommy and Craig from, straight ahead it's a sick to be in the band yeah yeah and so that was that was cool that was the beginning of us just started playing in new york and we sort of like switched to being a new york band that's what we got known as a new york band i feel like is, uh mm-hmm. yeah when that single came out yeah we were all in new york at that time i feel like i feel like the straight edge movement seems like it was bigger there than anywhere else even even my i don't i wasn't around for the minor threat days like how big the movement was and how like proud people were and how you don't think, i don't know if it was a movement no not a I movement think youth of today yeah. sort of branded it as sort of a almost unintentionally it just yeah. became sort of a movement because other bands became straight edge and mm-hmm. everyone identified themselves with that and also we had sort of like an alternative look Totally. That we weren't necessarily pushing. Yes. It's just that's what we were. We were more athletic. We were clean cut. We yeah. were like, had a little bit of a California skater influence. Vans. And, totally. Um, that wasn't that wasn't available in New York City or what you, you didn't see that so much in the New York City scene. Agreed. And also it was sort of like we weren't from, you know, difficult upbringings. You know, we had 100%. you know, loving parents. Yeah. Loving parents. We liked the hard music, but we weren't you know, we weren't into trying to, we had no like tough agenda yeah. to prove yeah. or stuff like that. So I couldn't relate to like tough guy lyrics at all. Mm-hmm. I related, to, I mean, I tried to, but at the same <laughs> time, I wasn't that, I wasn't that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so it, 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 you know, I had like a spirit of like goodwill and kindness. And that's why when seven seconds started writing those songs, they touched my heart. And that's yeah, the reason why. You know, I got turned into vegetarianism and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, and youth of today, the mood of youth of today sort of became, or started becoming shaped like, okay, we're here for spreading a good message. Yeah, and that's sort of like that's that's what sort of straight edge became for me. And I, I know it morphed into different things over time. It did. Um, it's just not that wasn't my cup of tea. Me either. It was yeah. always something positive for me. Nothing negative or judging. Yeah, it was always something. Yeah, to me, it was always, always something positive and upbeat. And it was, and it was sort of like um, inclusive. Yeah, I think when I first when I first started the band, we didn't quite know what we were. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were still trying to figure out our own ethic, and you know, we know that it's good not to drink and smoke and party and end up. But we <laughs> there was still probably ego wrapped up with that. Yes, you know, nineteen year old brain. Yeah, but very soon, like we started to figure out. No, this is what we're going to be like a force, a force of good, you know. Yeah, and that was sort of like, you know, changed the trajectory of my entire life. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was talking to Priscilla about it too. Like, 
everybody was wearing leather jackets and their boots and their spikes and I thought it was even more punk that you guys could walk into CBGBs with varsity jackets on and clean cut haircuts, just jeans and like sneakers. I mean, people were in jeans and sneakers and t-shirts, but you guys had the varsity. It was just a total different vibe, man. You know, you know, it it did take a lot of. I mean, we talk about like nonconformity, etc. Yeah, it took a lot <clears throat> to say I, I don't drink and smoke. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of courage to say that. There was a lot of peer pressure to do the opposite, totally. both in high school. And then also in the punk scene. Yeah. And when you say, uh, I'm not going to wear these spike jackets, I find them impractical and heavy, and I don't, I'm not going to wear these gigantic <laughs> boots around, I find these things clunky, and you know, I can't move or run in them or do anything athletic in them. And, and yeah. you know, it's just like, and you, when you're around a group of other people wearing those things, it took a lot of, like, inner, like, you have to have, like, some, you know, your own feelings of, your own feelings of self. Yeah. And where you don't really care what people think, so I think that was sort of like a a very good um, platform for us to move forward with all the other ideas and ethos we had at that at that, at that time. I mean, that's the punkest thing sort of, is not to give a fuck. What it is think, the punkest thing. It is know? the punkest thing. It's very easy to become straight edge when everybody else is straight edge. True, and it's almost cool to be straight edge. Yeah. Was there a feed? Was there like a lot of blowback from people? Like, was there a lot of any tension or anything from like? Other bands, or because you guys came so strong with it in New York, um, like any weird... always a little bit, yeah, a little bit, yeah. There's always a little bit pre-internet, especially too. when we got into vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. So when we got into vegetarianism. There's a lot of pushback. Yeah. So what? What but is you know? It's whenever you make like a disciplined choice towards your self betterment. Yeah. Just expect pushback. Yeah. But what it does is it sort of it starts to build your character. You know, when you can say, you know what, this is what I am no matter what you think of me. Mm-hmm. And that's like a powerful sort of aphorism. I, I 100%. keep with to me. Like, me you know, too. what I, what people think of me is none of my business. What I think of myself, that's my business. I love that. So it's so true. Yeah. When, when, when did the vegetarianism so, um, come in, like come into your life? You know, I got, um, like what I started you? like, you know, you know, vegetarian back then was always sort of like, fringe yeah there wasn't a lot you couldn't get a veggie burger there's not a lot of health Hell food no. stores nope you know it was very peculiar to be into health it was food. so it was so foreign for sure yeah it was so foreign so i got some inspiration at a young age um i don't know if it was through punk or through you know krishna or something but i got some inspiration like i have a dog um but I, but I can't, what do you call it? Uh, but I have a dog, but, and he's my best friend. And mm-hmm. then there is like a, a, a cow who's like a commodity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's hard for people to separate so that. For me, that was always like, it was almost like developed like a split type of brain. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a second. One thing is a thing and one thing is a person. <laughs> yeah. And it started like, it started like troubling me. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. And then I, then I got that book, Animal Liberation yes. by a singer. And then I read one of the Krishna books on vegetarianism. And that was like, yeah, that's right. This makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it was just so, it's so, it made so much sense. I was like, okay. But the problem was I, I didn't have the, I didn't have the willpower and the determination or the community to support it. Yeah, like my parents definitely were not going to support it because they were Italians, and to them they sort of like 
made it out of the ghetto, so mm-hmm. to speak, by being able to afford meat. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so to to my whole family to be vegetarian would be like ridiculous. Yeah. And so I said, I just sort of quietly said, you know, I can see this as being me. Now, I really appreciate kids nowadays who do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's huge. But I, like I said, I had no camaraderie within it. I didn't really know any vegetarians. Yeah. I would. I didn't even know how to cook. But what I did was when I was when I graduated and I moved out, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to adopt this diet from now on. Wow! And I had to just figure it out. Yeah. Um, that was a little tricky, but yeah, I figured it out. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you guys were so ahead of the curve with all that. I feel like hardcore meat, especially Youth of Today and Gorilla Biscuits, and even like KRS-One, the rapper at the time, he was singing about vegetarianism in the '80s. Like the way the world is now, it's insane how. Like you say, we have a more conscious, caring society. It's actually becoming that. It really did. It's it really changed. Crazy, dude. It's unbelievable how much it changed. And you were singing about that. That No More video was so amazing. And um, I think Purcell said they tried <laughs> to get MTV tried to get you guys to edit out like the, the slaughtering stuff. You guys wouldn't do it, which is really cool. But just that video and that for that time was such a bold statement, especially in in hardcore music and just in general. Like it's it's awesome, man. Yeah, you know, uh, I think it planted a lot of seeds. Yeah. I mean, there was nobody singing about that type of shit in hardcore. Like, nobody. It was... Yeah. It was a powerful platform to Um, use it, you know? Yeah, you know, you're going to be in a band anyway, and if you got something good to say, why not use that platform? Mm Mm-hmm. But it's crazy now how, like... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that that was sort of... um, I liked when our the lyrics were sort of practical things that you could apply to your life. Yes. I liked always that much more than sort of artistic lyrics that you mm-hmm. can make mean whatever you want to mean. <laughs> to me, that was sort of like, are you kidding? You're waste. You're getting a chance to stand on a platform. You have a chance to, with a few words, change, have a ripple effect on society that's going to change the whole world. And you're yeah. just going to write an artistic song that means nothing to anyone, mm-hmm. or you know, could make a person depressed. Yeah, we have an opportunity here. So anyway, for me, hardcore was that way to like shout it. You just yeah. shout your shout how you feel and speak your mind. And if mm-hmm. you have something great to say, hey, you have an opportunity now, and it's going to have an effect. And it's yeah. my job. And I was really careful when I was writing songs. It's my job to make people headspace be in a better place when they done listening to my excuse me done listening to my music. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to bring them down. Life yeah. will already bring them down. I want to bring them up somehow. Yeah. I mean, break down the walls when that came out too. That was not. That wasn't that much later. After can't can't close my eyes. It wasn't like a year or two, right? It, was, it seemed like it wasn't that long. Um, how was that? How was that coming out? Like the reaction to that? Like your first full length album back then. How you guys, did, are, you guys are really big. That album? Yeah, you no, you really big then when that came out. Like that was like things were really going really great for you through today. And then when that when the, the first album came out too, everything was built up from the seven inch. You know what I mean? Like the excitement um you know what's interesting there was sort of like it's sort of interesting now with um you know what's it called there's a internet viral this and that yes things were viral before the internet things went viral like so people were interested in you know, it's weird. Internationally, international viral, mm-hmm. just word of mouth. It yeah. spread around the country, and people heard of 
Youth Today. And for me, it was like a phenomenon that was happening. Like people care about this stuff. Yeah. You know, um, and I, I was sort of shocked. Mm-hmm. I was sort of shocked that people cared. And yeah. when that record came out, it was like big news. Yeah. And of course, this is all this is all relative. But for me, it was like really, it was sort of like the, that record like sort of changed the course of my life also. Mm-hmm. Because that record like sort of like encouraged me, okay, you can take this thing on tour now. Yeah. You know, and of course, material envy exists, which is one of these things. I started reading books on yoga and they would always critique when I'm talking about yoga books. I don't mean like uh, these books you read nowadays on physical therapy and, you know, alignment. I meant like sort of like, you know, swamis and things like that. Mm -hmm. So the swamis would say things like, you know, the material world is filled with envy and lust and greed and things like that. And part of me felt like, eh, these guys are a little negative. I like these yoga. <laughs> I like the concept of yoga and peace, but they got such a negative attitude all the time. <laughs> but I realized like very quickly, like envy exists even in this like straight edge world mm-hmm. because here we are, this band, and we we have really good intentions. Yeah. But as soon as that record came out, like and then there was a bunch of other straight edge bands around at the time that yeah. are maybe younger than us. As soon as that record came out, we were looked at as sellouts because we put out an album and because we, oh, that's what happened. We did a tour. By the time we came back from that tour, which we thought we were going to be like welcomed home, Mm -hmm. there was a bunch of our like close people that were just like, yeah, you guys sold out. And I was like, sell out. No, it's (laughs) interesting because you use this, you use well, straight edge even adopted this word, made this word even another thing. Yes. Sell out means not being straight edge, but yes. And then, Sell out meaning, you know, and then in this terms, it meant selling out meant like, you know, selling out your ideals. And I think that's what it originally meant. You sell out your ideals for money. You know, like you got purchased by some big record label. Now you're not serious about your whatever you once believed in. So that's crazy. I was like, selling out was, we don't make any money doing this. I never just, understood that. You yeah. know, yeah. It, well, anyway, it's just sort of like, I think it's human human nature or the nature of the material world is you become envious of someone's success. Instead of wishing someone well for their success, you become envious of their success. Yeah. And, you know, and in the converse is true. Someone's suffering, you know, we, you know, sometimes we, we laugh at their suffering. We're happy. They're struggling. So those are just sort of like lowbrow material concepts that I realized, wow, that envy that the yogis talk about is real. I don't, (laughs) why are people like so cruel to me because we had good fortune yeah and truthfully in retrospect how it's not like we were even that big anyway you know it's we were just sort of like it was it was sort of like an interesting like wave that happened and you know affected a bunch of us yourself included myself included but it was actually turned out to be a very, very big ripple effect. Totally. A lot of those people were, a lot of those people were just sort of like, you know, um, culture changers. Yeah. That grew up and did cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, was that, was that on Caroline records or something? Break down the walls. No, that was, that one was on wishing well, oh, wishing which well, was that's on, right. uniform choice, and which stuff. was, um, uniform choices label. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always a weird thing when, like, you're doing something you love and you're playing music and you're making records you believe in and then you get more popular than kids. A lot, it seems like a lot of hardcore kids are quick to turn their back and be like, okay, you're not playing to 10 people in the basement anymore. You're not cool anymore. Or too many people like you and I found right. you first. It's like this kind of like 
selfish kind of attitude. I never understood that. I was like, you want your friends to do good and, and spread that message to as many people as they can. You know, it's like, that's, all, just, that's how I You saw. know what it is? It's just like a nasty material attitude. Yeah. And, yeah. And so that's, yeah, and that, that type of stuff drew, drove me off to doing shelter and doing my going on my own spiritual, you know, thing like that because I realized, like, it doesn't matter if you're clean and straight and vegetarian or vegan or whatever like that. It's these more subtle things in my heart I have to really clean up. Yeah. I remember working at the um, oh. the studio in Queens where Youth of Today and Goodly Biscuits were practicing. I remember you came back. Maybe it was from your first trips to India and you were like, I came to the room, you, you, you were like doing yoga poses and all this stuff. I was like, holy shit. And I think you guys were working on it. We are not in this alone at the time. I think that might have been when. I don't know what year that was though. Um, but that was cool just to see huh. that, that transition. You know, like I know you, I know you went to India and... Um, that, that was interesting because that turned into something a whole different kind of chapter and genre of hardcore after that. You know, the vegetarian straight-edge thing and then into the Krishna conscious thing was like, it's pretty amazing. Like just um, the stuff you've been part of as far as inspiring people, you know? We've, we've been on an interesting, we've been on an interesting ride, Toby, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. But I just it's remember very, all that. Very interesting ride. <laughs> I tell you, I'm 53 years old. I look back at my life. It's like, what a freak. Even, even nowadays, I, I try to tell my, you know, I'm a yoga teacher, so I should tell my yoga yeah. students, like, what's go, what I did in my past. And it's like, they're like, what? <laughs> it's crazy. like a lot of them just can't even, <laughs> they don't get, even just being on the plane, you know, we're at Southwest Southwest this weekend. And so they're, and you know, just talking and chatting up with the guy on the plane. He's like, so what are you doing out here? I was like, oh, let's meet up some old friends, going to play some music. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of music going on. I was like, yeah, he goes, what kind of band is it? I was like, well, it was a band when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, and you come together every year? I go, no, they make some money and they come out and they fly us out. And yeah. I was like, you're kidding. You're in a band? And then they Google up your band like, I holy know. crap. <laughs> you know? It's so true. But sometimes very shocking. It's very shocking when you like meet a quote civilian. Totally. I call them civilians, not non hardcore people. 100%. My wife is a civilian. My okay. wife is a civilian. Yeah. And so she, I blew her mind. Yeah, you, know, you blow, you know, because the pe- most people don't know who the, who the hell I am. But right, every yeah. now and then you run into people who are, they, you know, once we were in Bangkok before we were married, and I saw some kid, some Thai kid with this Youth of Today shirt on. And I said to her, uh, you're not going to believe this, but that is me on the back of that kid's shirt. She's like, no, it's not. I was like, yeah, it's, it's, this is a Youth of Today shirt. That was the name of my band. She's like, that's not true. She like, let's, let's go up and say something to him. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, stuff like that. It's hard like when you're, on the, yeah. like you're talking to normal people, like you said, civilians, like, what kind of music do you play? Uh, uh, it's like punk. I don't want to say hardcore. I don't know what that means. Or like, we're not as hard as Metallica. We're not think- as poppy as Green Day. It's hard to explain it, man. I know it's hard to explain it. <laughs> it's like Although I, I will find so many people have listened to it. Yeah. I mean, so many people have heard. <clears throat> I mean, my kid's school. Excuse me. Yeah. Just ate some salsa and I'm choking on salsa. Oh shit. <laughs> um, like in my kid's school, I think like five of the teachers knew of shelter. Wow. Like that's like a pretty impressive, uh, yeah. you know, out of like twenty t-shirt teachers. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Small school like that. A I lot mean, of people like listen to Shelter. I mean, Shelter was a whole different animal too. And that, I mean, so after when are in this alone, how many years? So after how many years after that, the Shelter start? Do you guys 
stop playing Ether today. I'm trying to think when that was though. The gap was well. That it was long. sort of weird. It was sort of peculiar because Shelter didn't start as a band. It started out as me sort of being reactionary to, like I said, mm. you experience some type of like success. Yep. And the people that you really believed in you and believed loved you and believed in you, and they sort of like, like screw you, you sold out, or screw you. Yeah. You I just got so sick of that. Yeah, man. Um. You, you were put on this pedestal, and too. And you know, like, and, and, and teenagers are the worst. When yeah. you speak of like hardcore teenagers, they're the real worst. Yeah. They're just like, they're like just like a nasty. Super fickle. Um, so fickle, I just yeah. felt like, you know what? Fickle. And I just felt like, you know what? I am so freaking over this music scene. I have a whole like. Other path. I, 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 I'm on a spirit. I felt like I'm on a spiritual journey mm-hmm. and th- this is so much low. I mean, e- even though it's straight as in vegetarian stuff, like it's a lot of low vibe. It's like a nasty element that I, I can't relate to anymore. Yeah. And, um, especially even the way like people look on, uh, um, uh, at women. Yeah. And, um, it's true. You know, I, I didn't want to have like conversations where everything about a woman is objectifying a woman yeah. as a commodity. Totally. And I started thinking, like, I, I just don't want to have that conversation anymore. But that was part of the conversation. That was the part of part of being a boy, mm-hmm. and part of being, you know, hardcore and stuff like that. I was yeah. just like, I'm. I don't want to live in my lower chakras or whatever you want to call it, or live yeah. like just thinking like that. It's just like, and so I had to sort of like make a a, a decision, sort of like an incision, and just like cut that part of my life out. Yeah. It was very radical because Youth Today was sort of like at its prime success. Yeah. But to me, I was like, who cares? I mean, it's I, I wasn't here to be successful. And yeah. the more successful I ever got at it, the more painful it became. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you remember times with H2O. 100%. When it was, when yeah. it was very fun totally. and joyous when there was no obligations. You didn't have to worry about money. You didn't have yep. to worry about... You just got together with friends and made music. It was like very yeah. simple and naive almost. Totally. And I said, like, the more successful we came, it, it just, it brought me more haters. Mm. It did, you know, it brought you more lovers, but it brought me more haters. Yeah. <clears throat> and so for me, writing a Shelter record, I wasn't thinking, I'm going to make something alternative and post-hardcore. <laughs> to me, I wanted to write the most, almost like a slap in the face to all these people and just yeah. like write like... um the most eclectic type of music I could even think of writing. Yeah. And it was sort of a goodbye to the music scene. That's how I wrote it. Gotcha. I didn't have a band. I literally wrote the entire album for a month and then by myself with a guitar. Yeah. And then awesome. called up those guys from Reflex from Pain. Gotcha. Who were some old, older guys. Older means 10 <laughs> years older than me. So they were 30. <laughs> and, and then I said can you guys come to meet me at my mother's house and record this record with me? So we had one day to practice and then we recorded it. Wow. And that was, that was perfection. <laughs> Excuse me. That was perfection of desire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was sort of just, it was sort of a goodbye to the hardcore scene. Yeah. It was like my final statement. Yeah. And it wasn't only till went back to India, started really getting into my spiritual practice where I started to realize like, we're not here to give up what we're great at. We're here to refine what we're great at. Like or we're that. here to like spiritualize what we're great at. 
Yeah. If you're great at something and it causes you problems, well, maybe you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're doing it with your own ego involved. Yeah. And so um, the theory was you don't give up what you're born to do. I like you, that. You, you, ch- you channel what you do in a more spiritual way and it'll actually become fulfilling. Yeah. If you're doing it with ego at all, then you're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing it as service, like this is actually an offering, then you don't care. You don't care if everybody loves you or if nobody loves you. Yeah. You don't care if people, you know, throw, you know, throw meatballs at you, which people have done. I know, that's you crazy. Know? You won't care about that because you feel like, you know what, that's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And so um, it's it sort of, then I started to embark on Shelter, which was like the next, phase of my life and you were singing too like you totally can sing and like all of a sudden it's like you went from this voice <laughs> in youth of today and you're singing in shelter i was like holy it, it, was, it was awesome like what made you what the interesting made you, thing about shelter uh, yeah. you know i don't know the interesting thing about shelter was we had no format to follow yeah. the youth of today we had a lot of format i love yeah. the nasty front i love the abuse i yeah. love you know the negative approach i love you know i was like okay this is what we're going to sound like i know how to write those songs Shelter, I had no freaking clue what I was writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would get in the studio, it would come out, and I'd be like, wow, this <laughs> is going to suck, or it's going to be good. Or, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. I had no, like, I knew when we went to a Youth of Today recording, this is how it's going to sound. Yeah. Gonna, you know, I just knew it in my brain. I literally had no clue. Every Shelter record I ever wrote, I had no clue. I did, I'm wow. not one of these polished i'm not a good musician really i can write songs but i can't really play anything and i can't i'm not like one of these bands that has pre-production you know what i mean where you have all these <laughs> yeah. great okay okay i love how this song came out we can't wait till we take it to the real studio yeah i just like literally wrote everything with like a a tape recorder a play and record a tape recorder and a guitar and i could barely play the guitar wow and so it was all a mystery how it was going to turn out. And I didn't know what song to write after the next song. And I had no idea what our sound was, but yeah. people like shelter. Yeah, man. They loved and it. I mean, sort of, we, we sort of went on that ride for a while. That ride's crazy because I mean, Adam was in the band. He told me like how massive you guys were in South America. You had bodyguards, you had the, the hit song on, on MTV. Then that no doubt tour in the USA you were the, after that or something. It was just like, it was amazing, man. It's like another level, you know? Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> it was did you expect? Man. I'm talking about Mantra too. Like the album Mantra, that's my favorite. Obviously, I love that record. But did you expect it to have that much success? It was just crazy, man. I remember. I had no freaking. I had no clue. But it was at a time. It was at a time where like everybody was getting a major label deal. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, in my, in my childhood, to get on a major label, it was almost in most people's childhood. It was like so out of your hands. Yeah. Totally. That was something like no one did it. No yeah. one did that except there's some some magical bands that were actually signed. But sort of like in our lifetime, we started seeing all our friends, all our peers, yeah, getting signed to major labels. That was the time. Was like we couldn't like it was it was it was a weird time historically. Mm-hmm. We watched all these bands yeah. go from like you know our friends to becoming like legends. <laughs> it's true. And so it was a little shock. It was a little shock. You know, Rage Against the Machine was like the first one, dude, because they were our friends and youth of today fans mm-hmm. used to go over their house i remember zach i think drove me to the first harry krishna temple i stayed oh, at wow. overnight in laguna beach wow um and so um, they were massive man that's that's right inside out yeah but it was a what do you call it 
it was sort of a good ride being in the band. Yeah, I mean, so Shelter, when that first came out, what, there, there was a feedback. I mean, obviously before internet, so when you guys came out as a Krishna band, um, was there crazy blowback from the scene then too, or no? Oh, tons, are you kidding? Because you, cause you just came from like being kind of burnt on the whole like the Youth of Today thing with the way people were acting and talking crap. And then you try to get in something different and then they're still following you because it's you, it's who you are and what you've done in the past. So it's like... You know, I just think like um, if you're going to speak out about anything, <laughs> you're going to get shit for it. Totally. So you just got to dig deep in your heart. And to me, I always thought, you know, music is spiritual. Mm-hmm. You can't take spirituality out of music. Yeah. You know, that's what's writing these songs. You think mm-hmm. I'm writing these songs? Yeah. I just have to get me out of the way. That's how I write these songs. Yeah. All the lyrics I ever wrote, I don't take any credit for. I feel like they were divinely written. I just had to get my ego out of the way. Mm. And I feel like it was like a puzzle I had to put together. Yeah. Same with the music. I can't, I can't barely play it. Freaking. I mean, one of our <laughs> famous songs was Here We Go Again. Yeah. I didn't know what I was. I, I wrote that a day before I went to the studio. I had no clue how it was going to come out. Damn. And I just feel like God wrote the song. I mean, that sounds weird, but I've heard yeah. other artists say the same thing. I don't know if you do. You know what I mean, or if you feel the same way. Yeah. But I feel like I'm not doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's anyway, that's how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's how I felt about my song, and I, and I felt like you know, for people to tell me I can't write a spiritual song, or I can't be part of the hardcore scene because I want to write about spiritual things, I thought, who are you to tell me that? Yeah. What makes you the freaking the lawmaker of hardcore? Yeah, I love that. You know, and it was sort of like, yeah, it, who are you anyway? Mm-hmm. If anyone's going to be a lawmaker of hardcore, it should be me. I was a freaking a big hardcore band. Yeah. If I'm, if anyone's going to be, so every time people try to get loud with me like that, I yeah. just throw it back in their face. 100%. What makes you say? What makes you like the like the the freaking king of hardcore, and you <laughs> make the rules? Yeah. Only it, it, like, like you're trying to create a police state all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like you can do, but I can't. Yeah. Like or you can. You, you, what, what what happened to no rules? There's no rules. So exactly. let my rule be. I can make spiritual things. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't live up to their own. They just get pissed off. I anyway. know. Did, did, any of the, did any of the criticism get to you, even though there was no internet then and people really want to... I mean, every day on the internet you can see people talk. Um, you know, it's different, but... You know, um, it shouldn't have, but it does. Yeah. You know, of course, criticism gets to you. Because you're following your heart, too, though. You're you know? really... You try to follow your heart when people don't appre- not only not appreciate it, they think you're freaking evil. Mm-hmm. It's not like they don't appreciate it. I mean, if you strip down, even if you don't believe in Eastern thought or whatever, if you just strip down what we were talking about, yeah. we, I feel like it's a, it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Yeah. But, you know, they were trying to like, you know, call me out as a, you know, a cult figure. Cult leader, or, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. And I'm, so I had to like throw it back on their face. And it's like, you know, don't you know, get it? It's all a cult. This whole freaking material world is a cult. Mm-hmm. You have a cult of heavy metal kids, a cult of death metal, <laughs> a cult of straight edge, a cult of like ve- vegans. A cult. It's all yeah. just a bunch of different cults. Yeah. Now let's just boil it down to like, what is that cult saying? Are we saying yeah. good things about life? We're saying like you are more than your, you know, your bodily appearance. You, yeah. you, you know, we shouldn't judge people according to their bodily appearance, their gender. You know, we should, I mean, this is the original freaking hashtag me too stuff. Totally. It's like, 
Totally. We're, you know, this is like we are spiritual beings. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And people had you on this. So anyway. Like, people had you on like this superhuman pedestal where you you couldn't fuck up and you had to be a certain way. And like, I'm sure that was hard. Like, because people put you in this spot where like, you know what I mean? Like you're perfect and you're a fucking human being. You know what I mean? You make mistakes and you're, a, you know what I mean? Like, just, you know, I, I, I think it went through different phases of like my existence and my own growth. And yeah. I think, um, people, people just like to talk shit. Yeah. And to the degree I let them, it, it's almost like if you're going to, hold on to a roll, you know, suppose I'm walking by an amusement park and my pants get caught on a roller coaster, <laughs> then I'm going for a ride. Yeah. So to the degree that I held on and really, really gave a shit about what people thought of me mm-hmm. and I suffered. Yeah. Same is true now. If I, to, 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 you know, I just got to do what I have to do. I have a service in my life to do. I'm on a, tra- I'm on a trajectory in this world Yeah. to the degree that I get caught up in some barking dogs yeah. I'm gonna just suffer, so I just don't let it bother me. Yeah, because it, ne- it never stopped. It never stopped you from being creative or being yourself either. You always stayed who you were through all those different bands and all that shit. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. I think it's awesome because you just did. You did. What thanks, you, Toby. You, I think. You, I think. Thanks, Toby. I think so. Yeah, you did what you believed in and and what you're passionate about. You were trying to share positivity, whether other people believed what you believed or not. It's, you felt in your heart that it was something positive, and you were trying to inspire people in a good way you weren't trying to fucking turn people into assholes or violent people or you know what i mean they're telling people to do negative things at all it's just i don't know i think people just like when you post something now if you write something like if i write something i'm passionate about about animals i'm not trying to be preachy i'm I'm speaking from my heart and it's my personal profile page but obviously you have a community of people that look at your shit and so they think that you're trying to push something down their throat when you're not it's just something Sure. I'm trying to be teaching, not preaching, and people get so offended, especially by animal rights stuff, because it makes them look inside themselves and it's like, oh shit, that's where a hamburger comes from. Oh man, they start questioning themselves. So you made a lot of people question themselves. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, look inside, deep inside of themselves. I think. That's Thanks, my, Toby. That's my point. That's <laughs> true. I had some good inspiration. Yeah, yeah. but sure. but I did. I mean, because of you guys, I went vegetarian and never looked back, and just like being around New York for that time and everything was going on. It was like a great time to be in New York for all types of music. And I don't know, just the energy. And I feel like, um, the more, the, the more people you think maybe you, you bummed out, there's a million other people that you inspired. And I think you, it's hard to, when you're in it, it's hard to look at yourself and be like, I actually did some shit with my life. Like sometimes I get in like, what have I done in my life? I'm in a band for 25 years. What have I done? But then like you step out of it and see the people you inspire. You realize like you did a lot of good for people, man. Like, Regardless of like the small amount of people who are like hating, it's such a small minute of people yeah. who probably listen to your record right now. You know, it's like when you're in it, it's hard to think about it though. But yeah, I mean, no, the, and the shelter shit, and um, you guys want to know, you guys want to tour No Doubt when they were fucking blowing up, right? Just a girl. Uh, came out. Yep. Yeah, that was crazy. Man. <laughs> playing to arenas and shit, playing arenas. It's like, <laughs> it's crazy. And hard I, to believe. And I know you and Tony connected on that tour. You told me about hanging out with you guys on that tour. Um, Tony Canal and shit, riding with you guys. And, and now he's an animal rights guy, too. Dude. I heard. I, yeah, he's big time. Yeah, man. It's awesome. I'm with close great. friends out here. Yeah, it's, I'm sure you guys had something to do with that. He's totally like into that. and He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great dude. He, I think he was inspired by just being with you guys. Um, but uh, as far as like being a parent now, too, I know you have a, a good amount of children. 
I'm sure you instill. The, I'm sure you. I'm sure you instill those beliefs and values that you have when you were a kid in your in your kids now, right? I mean, it's hard not to. Yeah, that's part of parenting, I guess. Yeah, and you know, it makes you really sort of makes you sort of have to live your truth. Totally. Or else you can't teach. Or else you can't teach them anything. Hundred percent. So for sure. For sure. Sure. Like my son's, um, never, my son's never had meat, but I don't, I don't. If he wants to have meat, he can have it. But he just grew up around me and my wife not eating it, so it's like he's 16 now. Whatever he wants to do, is, but he knows where it comes from and all that. And it's like I never preached it to him. Or nothing, I've never so. met your son, but he seems like the nicest kid ever. Thank you, man. Just yeah, from your social thank media, you, man. Yeah, he's a sweet person. Yeah, I'm very lucky, man. Um, You're lucky. Sometimes they're not so nice. <laughs> yeah. How many kids? Like how many kids do you kid. have? Um, I have. Five kids. Wow. Two were my wives before we were married. Yeah. Um, I raised them since they were about four and five. Awesome. And then I had three ch- three more children from my from from between me and my wife yeah. too. And they're they're like five is the youngest, um, twelve and thirteen. It's amazing. They're man. great kids. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I love, I love being a dad. It's 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 the best thing that ever happened to me, man. I'm sure it happened same to you. It's like you know you never think about becoming a, a parent or I don't know. It's just it's amazing, man. It changes, it changes your whole perspective on life, just everything, you know. Like, and um, it makes me super emotional. Yeah, I start thinking about all the song, all of the youth today songs I wrote, like <laughs> expectations. I was yeah. like, oh man, that's me. I've become my dad. I've got expectations on <laughs> all my kids. <laughs> Get off my fucking back! <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so true, though. It's crazy, right? Like, damn, man. Um, do you you remember the new in record Seven Seconds? There's a song called "Man Enough to Care" on that. That song really struck a nerve with me as a yeah. kid about raising your kid and try to make him be like macho and not be feminine. Like, and Kevin doesn't even have kids. Yeah. I talked to him about the other day. I'm like, dude, that song. I didn't even. I grew up with no dad. My dad passed when I was young, but that song really makes me so emotional from the first time I heard it till now. And I feel like when you become a dad, you get so emotional so easy. I cry for everything. Yeah. It's crazy, man. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. Where do you guys live? Uh, we live in we live in Hollywood, in California. Yeah, in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah, we live. Uh, Where's your Where does your son go to school? My son goes to school at Hamilton High. It's um, it's a music magnet program. He's a drummer and piano player at the school. So, it's, they have a That's um, great. yeah, they have an Adidas Sound Lab, and so he has a band now. They're like a rock band, and they signed to the school label. They recorded their first single at the school, and they have a manager who's in t- <laughs> tenth grade. Kids, their manager at the school. It's crazy, dude. That's. Isn't that crazy? Cool. It's like yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, I mean, we're lucky. I mean, we get to raise our kids. It's cool. We get to play music still, and um, and it's that balance of like home life and playing. I know music my kids. And, I th- my kids are coming to the Youth of Today shows this weekend. Oh wow! They've never they've never heard Youth of Today because we I cursed what? you guys, so I never let them listen to it. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. They, they, the they've heard time. they've heard Shelter though. Yeah, Shelter's. I mean, yeah. Um, shelter was cleaner, totally cleaner. What else can I, one of my questions <laughs> is to people, but I already know the answer. Are you optimist or pessimist? But I know you're optimist. Uh, I knew that from, I knew that from day one. <laughs> so that's a really easy yeah, I'm question. pretty much an optimist. And then, <laughs> and then you have like any daily rituals? Yeah, I do. I'm sure you do with yoga um, and stuff like that, but like, um, I have like uh, spiritual rituals that I yeah. do every morning. It's like a, gra- a gratitude thing. Like yeah. the people in my life that have influenced me and I thank them. Awesome. I think it's like important. And and first thing I do in the morning is I bow down. 
It's awesome. And uh, I just, I thank everything from the earth itself to uh, all the teachers in my life. Yeah. You know, uh, to God, to, you know, my family, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, those are sort of like morning rituals. Those are my morning rituals. Then I try to spend some time each day outside in nature. Awesome. It's like a regular ritual. Yeah. Just to sort of connect with nature. We can live a life on a phone or live a life on a computer and yes. live a life in a cubicle and just like miss out on nature. So I, I find that um, to be a, a, a nice connection. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love and I try to like move my body every day somehow. Yeah, exercise. You know, either yoga. I do, I, I, I do jiu-jitsu as well. So oh, wow. jiu-jitsu or yoga or something like that. That's um, awesome. Something just to move my body, get my body moving. And you teach classes every and day? Then, uh, <clears throat> do I teach classes every day? No. No. I teach mainly on the weekends. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I travel generally and teach. All around. I travel. As, yeah, I travel all around pretty much. Um, mainly in the East Coast and Europe and California and uh, random places. Yeah. And, I spent a couple months a year in India too. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw you and uh, you and Priscilla were just there. That, that looks beautiful, man. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's it's a great. I bring my kids, and my kids love it too. Next time you're in Cali, I want to hit me up. We we'll definitely get some food out here. That'd be awesome. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Do, do you have any? Do you have any regrets in your life? That's a good question. <laughs> I like to think not. Yeah. But I probably can dig up a few, few regrets. Yeah. Um, it's a hard one, right? Yeah. Well, it's one of those things. If you look in the big picture, the like the regrets. Like, I think I was like a jerk in high school, mm. like in, or in junior high school, especially because I was really that. trying to find myself. Yeah. I was trying to find myself, and therefore it's like. I was bullied, so I bullied back. That's like yeah. stupid. But yeah. you know, if it wasn't perhaps for that, for that pendulum swing in the other direction, maybe yeah. I wouldn't have like auto-corrected. Mm. Um, so yeah, so in, in one sense, I regret that behavior and the way yeah. I treated people. And um, you know, I picked fights with people. I picked them. It was like innocent people, and that was stupid. Mm. Um, but perhaps I needed to experience. Because you get a painful result of when you're an asshole. It's just part of yes. being an asshole. Yeah. You get a painful result. And so maybe that painful result in, in a broader picture is what I needed to sort of like screw my head on better. Yeah. I realized I didn't want that in my life. So, yeah. That's interesting. Sort of my, my, my biggest. A lot of them probably just, you know, refer to like treating people. Yeah. You know, because those, those are the big things that make a difference, you know, if you treat a person wrong, it yeah, it affects them. For sure. You know, it, 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 for, has a, it has a big ripple effect a line, well. A lifetime effect sometimes, for sure, yeah. A lifetime effect, yeah. exactly. Um, so if I could do some undos in my life, it'd probably be a, a few of those. Yeah, I mean, we're not perfect people, obviously. Um, we do shit when we're kids, and then you learn from your mistakes, and you grow, and you get older, and you think about it. Do you, do you remember, do you, do you, if you could... Do you know the Do you know the kids who actually got bullied by you? Or was just random. You never remember their names. So you could maybe find them one day. That might I think be cool. it was. You know, one time I tried to like oh, wow. find a guy on Facebook, but I, um, but I couldn't find him. Oh wow! 
That's interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's just good to go through and, and if you can make that amend with a person, it's healthy. Yeah. I think so too. I don't want to have any, yeah. When you pass or somebody pass, you never say sorry to them before they go away. That That's, I'm sure people have to do it all the time. They can't live with themselves. Have that. I should have said sorry. Like holding grudges, all this stuff's not healthy at all. I don't think. Um, no, it's like toxic. Yeah. And we just do our best. We're not perfect, but I'll tell you this, man, you're the stuff, the stuff that you've been involved with in your music and, it's inspired me and, and changed my life for the better. Like like I said, I've become vegetarian, so I, I want to thank you for that, the, the impact you had on my life and your music and and the whole entire, whole entire world has been you know, inspired by your music and stuff. And um, I know you're a human being. You're not perfect. None of us are. So it's like, don't be too harsh on yourself. And I know that you yourself, you know, did what you loved and you fucking followed your path and followed your heart and didn't give a fuck what people thought. Maybe you did a little bit and you're telling me that now, but I, I didn't see that in you back then. You were just doing your thing and, and you were singing about stuff you believed in it. It really connected to people. So I, I appreciate the honesty and I feel like you guys were ahead of the curve with veganism and changing the planet and fucking animal rights and all that shit. Like it's, it's so crazy now to see how veganism is a trend. And back then people could even say that word vegan, say it right. It's so awesome. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's such a big impact raise so i want to thank you for that and um the world's changing thanks and you, man and you called it you called that shit a long time ago it's not like you're trying to predict the future you're just singing right then what you felt in your heart what you went to at that moment but i feel like that your your band and a couple others are the, it's the only genre of music that was ever singing about okay me just murder whatever the smiths my bad but in hardcore right. nobody was pushing that envelope that positivity, that change in the planet, because punk rock was like, fuck your parents, anarchy in, in, anarchy in the UK, never mind the Bullocks, whatever. That was cool. <laughs> but then there was hardcore. It's like, let's fix things, not fuck everything. I like my mom. Let's fix things. And I feel like right. that music, like seven seconds, like you said, the, the, the lyrics they were singing back then was so ahead of the curve. And then what you guys are singing about racism and animal rights. And so thank you, man. Thank you for using you know, I your think voice. When you, man, like, tune you know? in, I think when you tune into your like inner voices, yeah, then... Um, it will have like a uh, the most you know, the best effect that, that when you can get really vulnerable with yeah. with how you feel. Yeah. And I think probably every band that has you probably love. Yeah. You know, because they really speak to a part of you. Yeah. That lies underneath our ego and our pretense. Hundred percent. And I want to thank so, yeah. you. Yeah. I want to thank, thank you. Well, thanks. I was just saying thank you for saying that everybody needs encouragement so thank you for the encouragement yeah man of, of course man and thank you for bringing uh, Air Jordans and all the dope Nikes into hardcore <laughs> also <laughs> say, say again thanks for bringing the Air Jordans and all the dope Nikes into hardcore like the break down the walls cover all you guys wearing the Nikes like that changed you know, the game so too man it's crazy you know it's so funny because <laughs> I got those I got those sneakers at like Marshalls or some really? like cheap, cheap store. It wasn't Holy like, I'm going to get air. I didn't even know what they freaking were. They were like red, white, and blue <laughs> or red, white, and black. Yeah. I didn't even know who Michael Jordan was. Damn. I just that's thought crazy. they were cool. Color, and they were canvas. They were yeah. non-leather. And I thought, Oh, these are cool. They're non-leather. Um, I'm going to wow. wear these. And I had these like Nike track pants, which I also got at Salvation Army. It wasn't like, I wasn't trying to make a fa fashion statement, although it it's sort of came crazy, off that way. Dude. <laughs> it's so and you did and, and the champion sweatshirts all that shit which my son's like I love champion can you be like all the kids are wearing champion now it's like the biggest comeback ever I'm like man we can champion basketball jerseys at like 
um, a regular size ones like in Buffalo at like the outlets and stuff. Just right. Like, the champion outlet. That's right. Yeah, in Buffalo. Dude. I forgot all about that. But it's like all that stuff. And like it, you guys weren't trying to be fashionable, just what you were. But it, when you look at it back now, it's so iconic. And so like there's it was, almost like mastermind masterminding branding, but yes. it just wasn't that. <laughs> so, it's so funny because you can, go, you can go somewhere like in Leipzig or Rome and see all these people dressed just like that Dude. now, copying that style. But It's crazy, man. Just looking at that Noah release it dropped today, like this whole thing about Youth of Today I read today with that Noah collab you guys dropped and the sweatshirts and the gear. And this is like, it was so cool. Like that, that sticks out to me more than like, I connected with that more than like the leather jackets and the Sid Vicious shit, obviously. But yeah, just looking at that, 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 re- that represents a time like an amazing time of positivity and energy and you know things changing in hardcore so yeah it's i'm honored to speak to you and call you my friend i love doing this podcast because i get to talk to people who inspire me and um i appreciate everything you've done with your life and you continue to do inspire people and um yeah hope to hang out with you in real life soon you know thanks brother congratulations on your family and your podcast thank your you band's still doing it and those guys are all cool and I believe that you're doing a force. You're a force of good. Thank you, man. So I'm happy. For, I'm happy for you. And also, I'm I love, happy for all the people that you're influencing. Thank you, man. And I, and I, and I always use the word friggin' and think about you and Purcell because you guys always use the word friggin' back then <laughs> instead of using the f word. Yeah, we're pretty pathetic, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I love My that. wife just said to me, "You gotta stop saying freaking all the time." Oh, you say. Oh, you say it on the kids. You're not saying the f word. I love that friggin'. That's amazing, man. She's um, like, you say it sometimes with so much anger. It's a freaking... <laughs> so just see I was like, well, you should have heard what it sounded like before. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we covered everything, though. This is your life, Ray Kappa. We just covered it. I pretty much the oral history of your life because I want the people listening to know about you and while, how you inspired me. Um, obviously, there's a Ray and Purcell record, better than a thousand. People can Google you. Um, uh, what is your Instagram? Because I, I can't say that. I can't spell that or anything. It's at, at Raghunath which is my uh, Indian name. Yeah. Uh, Raghunath Yogi, R-A-G-H-U-N-A-T-H, Yogi, Y-O-G-I, at R-A-G-H-U-N-A-T-H-Y, Yogi, Raghunath Yogi. Okay, awesome, man. Um, yeah, and have a good show. You guys, how many shows you have this weekend? Just four shows. Oh, nice. You could do, yeah. do those vocal warm-ups. You do vocal warm-ups too? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I just lose my voice and suffer for two weeks afterwards. <laughs> That's great. You, I could, I'm going to send, I'm gonna send you something. Yeah. You guys go on, do you guys go on tour a lot? We haven't gone in five months. we got a lot of shit coming, like 21 shows in a row coming up this summer. But um, oh, wow. I'm going to send you something. I'm going to send you like, this screaming and zen thing. It's amazing, man. I've been doing this since 2001. I never lost my voice ever since I did these warm-ups. What is it? What is it? It's called Screaming and Zen. And she's done okay. Lou, Hatebreed, everybody. She's done every single band you can think of. Andrew WK, like massive metal bands. And she teaches you how to breathe and not lose your voice. But... Um, so I've never, I'd never really interested. Yeah. I never do not do warm ups because, and I chew gum on stage too, because that's what Dave Grohl does. Dave Grohl does. I copied him because it keeps you, it keeps your throat moist. It's pretty cool. Really? Yeah. But sometimes All you right. choke on your gum when you jump around. It's hard. I could see that happen. Um, All right. So you guys like, okay, dude, you gotta, um, give me those lessons because I hate losing my voice. Yeah. It drives me insane. Yeah. I'm going to send, actually we got the phone right now. I'm going to send it to you right now. I'm going to send you a link. Because it's a life changer, man. It's a life changer. All right. I'm take you up on that. Thank you, brother. All right, brother. Great talking to you. All right. Thanks. Keep thanks up the good work. Tell the guys I said hi. I will, brother. Thanks for your time, and thanks for everything. Okay. Bye. All right, bye. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.